literally like two or four hours later, something like that, it was Mark Cuban is selling the Dallas Mavericks. And we're like, whoa, what? that's wild. Like he's done all these podcasts. He did all the smoke a few weeks ago. And he, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm selling the Mavericks. What is up, everybody? This is Zero Gravity, Apollo Media's NBA podcast. I'm Stone, your host. This podcast is presented by Zing Zang's Blaze and Bloody Mary Mix, as well as The Celebrity Mint. I'm here with the What We Learned, Houston Rockets edition king, Josh Garcia. How we doing, bud? Howdy, y'all, man. I'm great. I just got to see Reggie Jackson drop 35, DeAndre Jordan drop 21, 11, and 5. Cool little double-double action. And uh, it reminded me, you know, my late childhood 2015 yeah. Lob City. Uh, I think that uh, definitely that, that was definitely the peak of my week. On sure, the peak of your week was seeing your Mavericks beat my Rockets. Uh, that was a little tough, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah, we will. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night, November 29th. Yesterday, we learned some news. We got some new news. Mark Cuban sells a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Aldison, owner of. Las Vegas Sands, which is a casino chain that is not even in America anymore. It's in Singapore and somewhere else. There's another another country. I don't remember what it is. Um, they have a lot of money, is what I'm trying to say. $32.8 billion, to be exact. Her and her husband started Las Vegas Sands, a casino chain, and she just sold around 4%. 4% of her company for $2 billion dollars. Pretty good. Yep. Pretty good. It, it's so funny because I've never, uh, all these owners and all these billionaires, I've never heard of any of these people. And just knowing the fact that they have $32 million or $32 billion in disposal is just wild to me. And we don't even know who these people are. I mean, of course, that's my choice mostly, but man, it, that, their money is just different. And it's good, that it, it's good that it's at least going to a sports team, I think. I don't know. Good yeah, people. so the news they broke yesterday morning that the Aldisons were going to sell part of their ownership in their casino chain, Las Vegas Sands, and with the intention to purchase a sports, professional sports team. Literally like two or four hours later, something like that, it was Mark Cuban is selling the Dallas Mavericks. And we're like, whoa, what? that's wild. Like he's done all these podcasts. He did all the smoke a few weeks ago. And he, he's just like, oh yeah, I'm selling the Mavericks. So this all comes with a little bit of caveats. So Mark Cuban is going to keep shares in the team. So he didn't even sell all of it. And the sale is allegedly $3.5 billion for majority stake. Not even the whole thing. Yeah, crazy. $3.5 billion. Yep. Absolutely insane. But he is going to keep full control of basketball operations. So whether that makes him president or what, what his title is going to be, he will no longer be the governor of the Dallas Mavericks. The Aldisons will, or I think it's the son of Miriam Aldison is going to serve as governor, but it's going to be in the Aldison, Adelson, Adelson, um, in their portfolio, whatever. Um, they're really rich, so this could be a very good thing or a bad thing yeah. for the Dallas Mavericks. Do you, do you think that these teams or these uh, potential owners just see that a sports team is up for – not even up for sale because we had no idea, but, I mean, they have $3 billion. They just go up to any of the 120 owners, give or take. In all these professional leagues, they just say, I have this much money. Are you willing to sell this team? I, I, don't, I don't really know how the, all this works. I'm sure 
you know, like you mentioned, you, you know a lot more than I do about this, but it's just so wild to me that over the course of two to four hours, we can get, you know, Mark Cuban's letting go of the team. It's still good that he's able to um, re- re- have control still, but I really think that uh, this is just kind of – it sets a weird precedent. You're able to just go by any sports team you want. And I'm, I'm sure there was the, there was months of this in the making, but just hearing it all come out so quick, I was just like, man, this is, this is setting a weird precedent for me. Yeah, so Wednesday it ended up being agreed upon by the owners, so it has to go through the voting process. I think every owner has to agree to it. Um, so it's, it's basically being finalized. They're going through all the paperwork, I would assume, and it's going to take a few weeks. But it's interesting because uh, the Adelsons are casino gambling family, Las Vegas Sands, and Texas is a notorious non-gambling state. So this is where the tinfoil starts to hit yep. in here. So the Adelson family has notoriously contributed to Greg Abbott, Texas uh, governor's campaigns over the years. If you're not a fan, uh, I get it. Makes sense. He doesn't want to have legalized gambling in the state of Texas. However, someone just bought in that has more money than pretty, uh, I think it's like 42 other people in the world have more fa- more money than the- Miriam Adelson. She's like 44, number 43 on the list, somewhere on there on Forbes. But she has the money. She has the means to create a casino. She already has that in other countries and started it in America. I think legalized gambling is coming to Texas very soon as opposed to much later. Maybe we see it by the end of 2024. Maybe we see it at the beginning of 2025. But I don't think it's going to be the four- to five-year process that everyone's been assuming it's going to be. Right. There, there, there's no way that it's going to be on the ballot this soon, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some words at you that you might've never heard in the same sentence, but uh, sure. Lobbyist for good. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, these owners putting some money in his pockets might mean that we get an expedited, expedited process. Like you were mentioning with uh, sports gambling. And I think for the consumer, it's perfect. And as long as the state gets their money from it, however they tax it, I think that's a net good, right? Maybe I'm biased yeah. because I want to gamble on sports, but I think it's definitely a net good. Yeah, I, I would assume it is a net good. We'll have to wait and see if that's yeah. actually what the plan is. Uh, Cuban was on some article, Forbes, something last year. It was December of 2022, and he said his dream is for the Dallas Mavericks to have a new arena combined with a, a casino, sports book, and hotel. Oh, I had no idea. Have it attached, so I, I don't, or right next to it, right next to it, or whatever. So we're a year later. He sells to someone that specializes in casinos and gambling and yeah. hotels. So I, I think that a new arena is also on the way here in the next yeah. five or so years in Dallas. American Airlines is a little bit older, has all those leaks. It ha- it's delayed many Mavericks games last season due to the ice and the the basketball court changing of the days, but between the Dallas Stars and the Dallas Mavericks. So. Maybe that's on its way as well. Um, I think this is a good thing for the Mavericks, not a bad thing. Mark Cuban stays the king of the Mavericks. He's the guy. He's the one that everyone knows. Um, But the Adelsons are able to pump billions of dollars into this organization. So maybe we get a new arena. Maybe the luxury tax doesn't matter anymore, and they just go get whoever they want to pair with Luka Doncic. I think that's a potentially good thing. This could also be the worst thing ever for the Dallas Mavericks, and the owner doesn't care, doesn't put money into it doesn't seem like that's the case. They seem like business people and they want to make money. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
It'll definitely make more money for uh, Mark Cuban on the back end, I think. Like you mentioned, them making an entirely new arena mixed with a sports book or a casino. I, I want Biloxi, Mississippi vibes in all 30 NBA stadiums or arenas. I, th- I think this will be huge for the sport. And it might not be a net good, but I think at this moment, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. And uh, I- I'm definitely with it. I mean, of course... I don't necessarily enjoy the the fact that an outsider is coming in, maybe somebody who doesn't really have anything to do with the sport, or especially as much as Mark Cuban does. But, I mean, this could be a net good. I, I really enjoy the the idea of being able to go to a stadium and have all of these things at your disposal, kind of like the uh, – what, what is it called? The battery in Atlanta? I mean, look, look, yeah. at, what, look at what that's done for the economy for them. I, I think it would be a really, really positive idea if they really you know, start to put it into motion. Yeah, and I'm also concerned that the Dallas Mavericks are going to move out of Dallas and into Arlington, into parking lot city with the Cowboys and the Rangers. They have Texas Live there. They've got all the hotels. They've got bars. It's much like the Battery in Atlanta. They've been building it over the last four or five years. Um, I went to a Cowboys-Dolphins game in 2019, stayed right right next to Texas Live. It's awesome. It's insane. And I'm just thinking of the gambling aspect. You put a casino right in there, put a sports book couple more hotels and then all of a sudden the Dallas Stars and the Dallas Mavericks are in Arlington. I, I think that's probably what we're headed towards and I, I don't want that to be the case because I live much closer to the Mavericks now than I would if they moved to Arlington but nevertheless I, I think it's a good thing but it's a wait and see game. Yep exactly all we can do is take it for what it is right now and for what it is it seems okay I'm, I'm particularly with it. Yeah well wait and see. Um, This episode is brought to you by Zing Zang's Blaze and Bloody Mary Mix. If you haven't already, go try Zing Zang Blaze and Bloody Mary Mix. They've got bacon-infused Bloody Mary Mix. It's got a little little heat, a little spice. Go get your Blaze and Bloody Mary Mix infused with vodka or just get the mix, and you can pair your own vodka with it. So go check out Zing Zang's Blaze and Bloody Mary Mix. Today's Wednesday. Last night, Tuesday, we watched an in-season tournament game between our two teams. I, I want to lead it off. I had fun. I want, yeah, you, yeah, you had a lot of fun. I had fun watching the second half comeback, or it was a smaller comeback, but it was a comeback nonetheless. Um, the, the, the main issue I had with, we were even texting about this, the amount of calls that we were seeing throughout this game. They said it was uh, 52 total fouls throughout 48 minutes, I believe. Um, which Yeah, is, 20, 29 for the Mavericks, 29 free throws for the, or 28, Free throws for the Rockets, 29 for the Mavericks. So yeah, it was dead even. Yeah, it just it just doesn't seem like basketball. And I know that's such an easy cop-out, but when you're watching these games, you're you're turning what should be a two-hour game into 230, 240, 245. I mean, I hate to I hate to go on a time. Uh, uh, I hate to make this an issue of time because we all have it. But, I mean, man, like, this just doesn't seem cool anymore. <laughs> like, Scott Foster, Tony <laughs> Brothers, the, a lot of this, these officiating crews and a I'm sorry to throw a stray at Tony Brothers, but if you're a Rockets fan, you have so much history with that. He deserves it. He, he does. But um, it, it's it, it was just a weird game. I mean, I'm glad that it got high scoring at the end. I was kind of worried it was going to be like an 85, 87 kind of grudge match. But uh, Luca turned it up in the second half. You know, I'm sure I'll let you have the floor with that in a minute or two. But, I mean, seeing Kyrie just dominate in that second half, uh, starting out really slow um, in the first it, it, it was a great game to watch, but, I mean, it just felt so unnatural just seeing, you know, how it was turning out. And I don't I, – I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Not because we lost. I didn't like it. Right. 
So the first four minutes, I think you missed of the game. Yeah. I, I missed the next, like, four minutes, the last four minutes of the first quarter. But in the first four minutes of the game, there was a goaltending that wasn't called on Shingun on Kyrie's layup. It's literally directly over the net in the rim. And not even look, not even a whistle, no yeah. nothing. It should have been a foul, should have been goaltending, something. Then there was also two plays where the Rockets deliberately hit it out of Mavericks players' hands. Or just there wasn't a Maverick in the area, and it was clearly hit off of a rocket out of bounds. And Scott Foster both times gave the ball right back to the Rockets. I was just like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do here, boys. Like this is all right. I guess this is what we're doing with. And Luca and Kyrie are notorious for not getting whistles, and they still didn't get a lot of whistles yesterday. They got some towards the end of the game, but the yeah. first half it was miserable. Yeah, I was going to say, they both shot about nine free throws each, I think, which is, is kind of on par for a lot of superstars. But you're going to see, you, you kind of saw them last night. They were more in bunches than anything else. And, I mean, of course, that comes with, you know, Kyrie getting more touches in the second half, Luka getting more touches. But it, it, it just didn't seem right. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, so typically Luka and Kyrie get, I think, around 9.1 free throws combined per game. Combined. It's <laughs> Yes, they just don't get calls. So last wow. night they were getting more, and I was like, okay, this is fine, I guess. Like, it's just want to watch the game. I felt like the third and fourth quarter were the longest third and fourth quarter I've ever watched. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I did a couple things around the house, came back, and there was maybe six minutes gone in the third quarter, and I was just like, what? It's been 25 real-life minutes. What? What's happening? It's insane. It, it was yeah. Scott Foster just needs to be arrested. He needs to pay for a sentence that he committed in the the nineties and the early two thousands. Oh. Can't believe you got away, dirty rat, Scott Foster. I'm coming for you. That's just right. gonna, uh, let it out. Let it it's out. Frustrating. Okay. You literally out. texted me Monday. We're like Scott Foster's uh, refing the game on Tuesday, <laughs> and I, I. I Said something I'm not going to say on air here, but I I was not happy about it. Yeah, emotions not were already high about. coming into this game. I mean, that was just the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know the quote from Dylan Brooks last season: "I don't poke bears. I don't, they don't earn my respect until they put up forty on me." Um, Luka Doncic, it looks like you have Dylan Brooks's respect now. Forty-one points yep. Tuesday night. Yep. And, and we were talking about this last night, too. Luca is dropping the most quiet 30 and 40-point games I've ever seen, almost on maybe even more of a, a Jokic level. Like, you, you know, you know you'll know, you see Jokic, you know, get some free throws, get some stop, get some shots up, and you'll you'll check the box score live, and you're, you're like, oh, he has 15 at the end of the first? What what did I miss? But Luca just plays the game so slow, and I feel like it translates really well on his stat sheet, but not, you know, not in the way that I'd like. I'd love if the Rockets could, you know, stop him. And <laughs> somebody stop that man. That's literally how I feel every time he has the ball. <laughs> when he comes up the court, it's, it's, it's weird, man. But he drops 40 in the weirdest ways. And I think that that is what separates him and Jokic from the rest of these other players. Just, they just play how they need to play. It's iso ball and times 10. It's, it's insane. Yeah, they, they play at a different pace. They set the pace of the game. Yep. No, uh, no one else can change it for them. Not even, like, Luka's playing faster this year. He's getting up and down the court faster. He's playing defense. Um, things you haven't seen from Luka in the past since probably his rookie year. Um, probably due to Kyrie being on the court and Grant Williams and some people that, and Derek Lively obviously can play defense for him. And he doesn't have to play super hard defense, so it helps him when he just goes back and does that. But when Luka's three 
is around 40% during a game. It feels like the most devastating thing if you're on the opposing team because all he needs is 40% because he's going to shoot a lot of threes and he's going to make some back-breaking just step back, the slowest step back you've ever seen in your life. You're going to have your hand all the way up on the ball before he gets it off. And you're like, oh, I defended this well. And then he'll laugh in your face as it just bounces off the backboard right into the into the net it's so devastating it has we, to be we were talking about this last night the 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 fuck you hook shot oh my god man i i could not help but laugh in that moment i was so upset and beside myself and i just looked at my computer screen i was like good game good game we'll run it back later uh, i can't do it right now we'll run it back yeah if you haven't seen it go look at that uh luca puts up a fadeaway deep two in the corner jalen green blocks it and i'm I'm beside myself because I think there's only a three-point lead at this point. Yeah, It's less than a minute. Jalen Green blocks Luka, and I'm like, oh, no, that's just going to be all over my feed because I follow all you freaking Rockets fans on Twitter. I was like, this is going to be miserable to scroll after the game. I'm going to be so devastated because the Rockets are going to come back and win. Jalen Green's block on Luka is going to be the highlight. Somehow, Luka ends up with the rebound off of that. I don't know how. It touched up getting it. insane and literally just puts up the most kareem hook shot you've ever seen in your life his hands touched the ceiling it was nuts there's a clip that the mavericks posted on tiktok of him a few years ago and he's like how do you like your coffee and then he shoots a sky hook from the tunnel and it goes in and he goes with kareem banger (laughs) he's yeah i was like that was good and dirk Uh, was on the broadcast last night i was having a blast yeah, shout out Dirk for saying uh, Shangun has got it because that just made my my Shangu love and my Shangun lore uh, expand ten times ten. It's so nice. Yeah, I think how you said Luca and Jokic kind of play their own pace and they play their yeah. own game. I think Shangun is targeting towards that. Absolutely. I think he plays a different pace than they they do. I think he's a little bit quicker. I think he yeah. has more fast twitch muscles than Jokic and Luca do. Yeah. Um, so he's not a fat European. He's just a normal European, I guess. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you want to call about him. But Shingun was terrifying yesterday. Yeah. I mean, Derek Lively had f- three fouls in the first 12 minutes of the game. Like, they just called it every time. So he, he is out of the game. And all of a sudden, you got Rashawn Holmes and Dwight Powell trying to guard Shingun. Horrifying. Because yep. every time he would get the ball, it's like, well, there's two points. Maybe three if he gets fouled. Every time. The, 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 the Shangun PR run over the past two weeks. I mean, you're seeing ESPN, NBA, uh, the podcast P that we were talking about the other day. I mean, there's he's getting his shine. And I don't know where all this is coming from. I'm sure it's because the Rockets are winning some games. But just like, man, he, he, he's, he's letting these outlets talk their shit for him. And he's backing it up himself. He doesn't have to. He's not, he just does not have to say anything. It's so cool to me. He's just different. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons literally said it on his pod. I think it was today that I was listening to. He's like, I, I don't know how sad. Shingun's probably the best player in the NBA. He's baby Jokic, you know? He, he's going to be really good. He's the best player in the NBA. And I was like, Bill, it's not the best player in the NBA. He's yeah. just really good, all right? Yeah, talk about an overreaction, man. He he legitimately said that Shingun is the best player in the league. I mean, what are we and doing? He's half joking, but yeah. I also think he's, like, kind of serious about it. Yeah. And I'm like, Bill, all right, Spotify deal got to your head. We need to <laughs> exactly. take a little break. Yeah. Let's calm down. Maybe grab a cup of coffee. Let's make sure the, the juices are flowing up there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
but it was a great game. I think it ended up being 121 to 115, very close towards the end. Uh, Rockets did have a 14-point comeback and ha- ended up building a lead of 10? Yeah. Nine, eight or, something eight or like 10, that. Yeah. They, yep. they got up there. So, And I was getting a little nervous, but um, third quarter, Kyrie started to take over, started making shots. They started drawing plays up for him immediately, right out the gate on the start of the third quarter, and started getting him going. And after that, it was it's going to be tough. Tough to stop him, and then Luca obviously ended up with forty-one points. So, uh, yeah, pretty good, yep. pretty good. Yep. Um, I'll let you take this next part. So, Sports Illustrated, uh, there's an article that came out talking about AI-generated articles and blogs or whatever they call it over there at SI. But I, I'm intrigued, so I need you to listen. Uh, just give it to me and the listeners what the lowdown on what's happening with this SI AI. Articles. So I, I love the. I was gonna say I love the SIA transition, but um, one of the biggest things that has come out of sports media in a really long time. I mean, at, at least on this capacity, um, you're having an. And it, let, let me just lead with this: you're having an entirely almost pointless section of the website uh, in product reviews or just overall consumption, which shouldn't even really be there in the first place. We're, we're talking sports. I mean, I don't really care what uh, kind of volleyball a beginner should get into or a beginner should buy to get into the sport. I mean, you're having these fake authors essentially being uh, put on this site with these fake AI headshots that are being purchased from third-party websites, which I mean, that, what, what are we doing? You, you could at least just, <laughs> you could at least just make it your own or do something. And all of these, all of these authors are being cycled through uh, on this uh, product review site or product review section of their site. And you're going back and look, uh, clicking on these, uh, author profiles and it is just basic normal bios that that are just talking about oh i love i love uh, going outside with my dog and uh, you know i try to i try to go uh, camping and hunting when i can there's no personality no swag like i get that you need to be somewhat corporate and kind of you know in, inside of yourself a little bit and in, in these in these bios and in these articles that you're making but it's like you could be yourself but we're not talking about a real person right we're talking about a fake person, and that has been the biggest issue that has kind of sprawled up a lot of uh, sports media in uh, in the worst way. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, <laughs> you're seeing a part of, uh, what's the word, uh, sports journalism uh, almost die in a way, because this is the equivalent of the New York Times. This is like NBC News, ABC News. Like, these are, this is peak sports journalism, and they're being subjected to putting... AI fake articles on their websites when there's absolutely no need to do this. And I don't even know if they're making money off of that. I mean, I'm sure they're making ad money, but is it really enough to ruin your integrity like this? Like, what are we doing? And uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the sports media world they're I don't want to say their dreams were crushed, but it was definitely a knife in the heart to some of us because we, we saw this and we were like, damn, we're putting all this work in. We're doing all these things. But Sports Illustrated, one of the biggest probably most iconic, one of the most iconic ma- magazines up there with Playboy, you know, and in the home shopping network. I mean, like, you got to think about it, man. Like, these are such important, you know, uh, parts and staples of our history that were huge in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even up to today, you know, and they're being just, you know, like I, like I mentioned, just subjected to this bullshit that they're putting out for the public. I mean, I'm looking at these AI generated pictures. They don't even come close to looking real. I mean, the, 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 it's it's just really sad. I, I think it's like I mentioned, it's a knife in the heart to a lot of 
uh, people who want to work in sports media, who want to work in sports journalism. And I don't know, I was really just discouraged about it. And it, it really pissed me off just seeing this come out. And I'm shout out to Futurism for, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, investigating on this and, you know, coming out with such a bombshell. But man, it, th- this one really hurt. And it, it, it just stinks. It really just stinks. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't understand. I get using AI to make things easier. I don't understand AI to do the work for you that really takes real pe- people skills. Yeah. Yeah. You have to interview, you have to travel, you have to go toward you have to go to people's houses or their place of work in order to get the true story to come out. AI will take a bunch of tweets and things that it reads on the internet about the same story that it, someone else could just go do if they have the credentials and if you work at SI, you're going to have credentials wherever you wanted to go. Exactly. Um, it's it's a weird hit for Big J journalism because I don't know if you saw it a few weeks ago. There was an NFL sideline reporter, and she went on, pardon my take, on Barstool, and she said that sometimes she just makes up a story that she talked to a coach and said that they said this in the locker room to get yeah. the boys riled up before the second half. Um, that and then this SI AI mumbo jumbo i don't even get it like i don't understand why you would even use ai to make there's no more blogs or more no articles at all and that's what bugs me the most is they did not have to do this at all and like you mentioned about the clarissa thompson stuff it, it, it watching the podcast clip it almost just felt like pointless little banter like they didn't she didn't have to say it at all and it was like right. i mentioned these past couple of weeks you know it, it really just puts a knife in my heart i'm just like damn these, I'm sure these people have worked to get I'm, Clarissa Thompson has been busting ass for years, but do I want to hear that she's taking the short end to get a story done or, or anything, even a report done? It, it just makes me feel really bad for the future of sports media. And I hope we don't continue falling down, you know, falling on this trend of, you know, always, always taking the short end or the, the, the short way out rather than actually working for what you want to work for. Yeah. Cause it's been tough in the last, I'd call it, 15 years to get the stories that we would get in the 80s and 90s. Like, reporters aren't traveling with teams in the NBA anymore. Like, they used to ride on the same plane from city to city with the players on the plane and would just hang out with Michael Jordan or Larry Bird. And that's how all these reporters had these relationships and how they got all these awesome stories that you either read in books or in newspaper back then or you get to see on these documentaries that are coming out, like The Last Dance. Um... It's difficult to do that in this day and age where everyone has access to pretty much everything. Um, So I think players want to be more private and they don't want to share the stories that they may share back 30 years ago. So you already have that conundrum of limited information now, limited access, and now you're just going to make AI articles about it and we're just not even ever going to have the truth again. Not that we were probably getting the truth in the first place, but at least it was a resemblance of the truth or resemblance of a story that may have happened, and now we're just going to make it up and put it on the internet. You're, you're getting levels of, and this is no in no way a shot to anybody, but in regards to, like, let's say The Athletic, um, you know, you're getting ESPN.com or ESPN the magazine level writing that we saw in 2005 to 2010, and you're having to pay for it through The Athletic or whatever, how, however means you choose to get it. Um, and, and, and it's really just sad. I'm not saying that, Everything should be free in regards to sports consumption, but 
I mean, these top-notch articles that we were getting through, you know, a subscription to a magazine or just going on the ESPN site even before they uh, initiated, what was it, ESPN Plus or uh, the thing before that yep. where the articles became paywalled. I mean, dude, it, yes, it, 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 it just really sucks. That, that's all I'm trying to say. It, it really sucks. And we've seen this kind of decline. And this is, this is mainly due in part to uh, the 24-hour news cycle that we've been seeing over the past 10, 15-ish years you know, that's come out of uh, all these sports is, you know, like you mentioned, nobody really has privacy anymore. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Michael Jordan had privacy in the nineties. He, any, anywhere he went, he could, he can go to Montana and, you know, he'd have a crowd of a hundred people around him. But I mean, it's just sad, man. It's just really sad. And, and, and yeah, I think and you're talking about the athletic, you talking about the athletic and having to pay for things. I understand that this is a business and people have to be paid in order to do these jobs in order for us to consume these stories I think it's a detriment to blame that on the writers or people lower down, the people that are actually delivering the content. This is all about the business people in the room, uh, the owners of said companies. It's their fault that we end up having to pay for this because they didn't do a good job enough, good enough job to find sponsors and find advertisement and figure out how to supplement the money they were losing from physical newspapers, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, and it, they had a very long time to figure that out, and some companies have, and some companies have not figured it out. Um, ESPN has it half figured out, and then they lose money on ESPN Plus because they think that everyone's going to subscribe to that. But now, no one has cable, and no one has ESPN Plus, so they have to buy a, or they have to get bought by Penn Gaming essentially and create a sports book to supplement money. Wow. It's a, uh, it's a clusterfuck to say the least. Yep, yeah, definitely a low point. In, uh, in, the, in a lot of sports journalism, uh, in a lot of sports journalists' uh, heads. I wish that we can kind of get out of this and uh, just see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it, it, it really just sucks. But, you know, the good thing about it, you know, it's, it hopefully shouldn't get any worse than hearing a story like this. Um, but it's just really sad, man. A, a, a marquee, iconic. I mean, I had, I had every edition of Sports Illustrated Kids from four to about 12. I mean, that, that was such a major part in my life. And just seeing them kind of stoop to this level sucks, man. It just really sucks. And I think that, you know, one of these days we'll, we'll start to see more and more hope, whether it be with localized content or national, uh, national coverage with writers. I think that things will get better, but man, man, shit stinks. Cause there's, there's so many good journalists out there. There's so many good storytellers. Just pay them what they need to be paid, figure out how to, get advertisement on your website or your Twitter or whatever it may be, figure out how to supplement it. We have sponsors. Those companies can get sponsors better than we can. I don't understand why they can't just find enough money through sponsors in order to do that without having to have a paywall. Exactly. A lot of people do have that. And it's just, uh, I pay for some content. I pay for the athletic. I pay for some other things in order to read and watch content. Um, I believe in paying the people that create our content, but It'd be cool if the sponsors did that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But this has been Zero Gravity, Apollo Media's NBA podcast. Um, it's a big week in Texas for uh, NBA. And we had a fun NBA in-season tournament game, and Mark Cuban sells a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks out of nowhere. No one had a clue. No one knew it was coming. Um, and then, obviously, his AI drama is crazy. But 
Apollo Media's NBA podcast, Zero Gravity, is brought to you by Zing Zang's Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, as well as the Celebrity Mint. Go check out the links below and find those products there. We'll see you Sunday. We'll talk some real NBA in-season tournament, right. quarterfinals, and knockout round stuff. You we'll preview call. that on Sunday. Yeah. This has been Zero Gravity, Apollo Media's NBA podcast.